All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast, episode 16. I am your host, Steph, for this week. I am so excited to have Chef Sasha Grumman all the way from Italy, my first international guest. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Chef Sasha. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we made this happen. Yes, yes. So you're you're over in Italy right now. Like I was just saying, I think you just said you were in in Florence today. She's doing so many exciting, so many exciting things. Recently cooking in Dallas or Houston before yes. this and has cooked all over, has an amazing story. You have seen her on Top Chef 18. She um, killed it in Last Chance Kitchen. She is launching her own focaccia business right now. She has so many exciting things going on in the food world. But Sasha, take us, take a few minutes and just walk us through, you know, your culinary journey when you realized that you, you know, wanted to make food your your yeah. career and, and kind of walk us through you've had again an impressive um an impressive journey from 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 your start to where you are now back in Italy so just kind of kind of walk us through it thanks um yeah I'm kind of doing this like full circle thing where you know I started culinary school in Italy and now I'm back in Italy 10 years later and so yeah it's a really amazing place to be like doing this recap so essentially I have been loving the kitchen since I was a child, like since I was five years old, Um, you know, watching Emeril on TV and like dying to be a guest at his table, which like, I think I asked for every single Christmas, but (laughs) it didn't happen. (laughs) That's so cute. That's, and then you got to meet him on the, like a dream come true. (laughs) Yeah. I literally got to meet him and I cried and I was like, you have no idea how meaningful you have been in my life. Um, so yeah, so I've been cooking large Sicilian family. So food was always at the heart of gatherings and, you know, I didn't really grow up with any like professional chefs in my immediate like family or even like close friends and family. So I just really enjoyed cooking. And then I did the whole college thing for four years and I came back with a degree in sociology and political science. And I was like, what do we do with this? Cause I'm not going to law school. Cause I was like, no more school. I can't do any more school. And my sister was like, if you can't do more school then you're gonna hate law school. Um, and so I moved home and I just started cooking a lot. Um, I really gravitated towards it. I really wanted to travel more. And my family was like, you should look into culinary school. Like my dad and my sister were like, you're kind of good at this. And I was like, really? (laughs) And my dad would always say things like restaurant quality. This is restaurant quality. It was very cute. And so I found a program in New York that actually took me to Italy for six months. And so went to culinary school for six months, worked in Rome for three months, and then came home and applied to one job in San Francisco They brought me up for an interview and a stage and I got the job. And so it was like, hey, can you be here next week? And I was like, well, I don't really live in San Francisco, but like, sure, I'll be there on Wednesday. That's amazing. And where where were you living at that time, Sasha? I mean, I know you just got back from Italy, but where was your family? My family is in Southern California. So I was 
in Southern California, had moved to New York, then moved to Italy. And then I was home for like, I think four days. Oh my God, not long at all. (laughs) Not long at all. And then I went right up to San Francisco, interviewed, did the whole thing. And they offered me the job. So I was in San Francisco, like probably a week and a half after I got home from culinary school. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've always been somebody to say yes when the situation just seems ridiculously right um, and just feels good and it felt good in my gut. And I knew that San Francisco was going to be a great place to be. And I spent the next six, seven years of my career cooking in San Francisco. Um, The first like cooking in a restaurant experience because you went to culinary school after after college and had been over in Italy. So, wow. And what a, you know, what a great, um, what a great place to, to be, to be, you know, getting your culinary education, getting your, you right. know, first working in restaurants. I mean, San Francisco <laughs> is definitely one of the best food cities in, in the country. So that's very impressive. Absolutely. How many restaurants did you work at over that like six to seven year period? I think I was at like five restaurants. Okay. Um, the first one I was at was really, really pivotal in my career. And I think about it often and, I spent about a year and a half, maybe a little bit more at a place called Delfina and Delfina Italian restaurant institution in San Francisco. Uh, A lot of chefs go through there and it was just one of those places that taught me about precision, taught me about treating ingredients with respect, um, with not fussing with them too much and really working seasonally, which I just like fell head over heels in love with. Um, they basically had to be like, you need to go spread your wings somewhere else. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't stay with us forever. And I was like, but I love it here. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful that, you know, they were invested in my career and my talent and, you know, really wanted me to go experience other things. So then I just went into a whole world of I went to Aziza, and that's Moroccan food. I went to Hardwater, which is Southern food. Um, I went to Ache, which is Spanish tapas. You know, there were so many different cuisines that I was curious about that I got to experience because I was in San Francisco. And there were so many amazing chefs to work for. And, you know, you really just have such an amazing array of options up there. And I was really grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What a great education to be able to cook at all those different, different types of cuisine, types of restaurants. Um, Obviously, we know you're Italian focused, um, Mm -hmm. but that's cool that you got the opportunity to learn because that's obviously just so important. Um, Right. So many things from other cultures when we're when we're cooking and flavors. And I know that was that's so cool that you got to spend like really your, you know, your first, you know, your first few years doing that. And so, yeah. so you're there, you're, you're in, in San Francisco mm-hmm. for several years and then, and then tell us um, then, then what happened next? So, you know, the classic, you've been working so much life is also happening back at home. You know, my siblings are getting married. They're having kids us in the restaurant industry, we don't really go home for holidays or like those special events that often. And so I felt like I was missing out and I decided to move down to LA and I started hosting my own pop-ups. So it was a really like cool transition in my career from like 
being a line cook to, hey, I have some ideas about menus and items and like working with seasonality down in Southern California. And it was received really well and the pop-ups went really well. And then I got swooped up by a chef, uh, Bruce Kalman, and I gave him my resume. I wanted to be like a weekend pasta cook. I was like, I'll just do a weekend pasta cook, like supplement my income. And he was like, Mm, we're going to make you a sous chef. And then mm, we're going to turn you into the chef de cuisine like two months later. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I wound up being chef de cuisine for him for a while. And that's where I really, really fell in love with menu creation and management and the whole building your team and your culture and that was a really, really beautiful experience. I mean, I worked all the time because I loved it. Um, so that was the end of my time in California. And then I moved to Texas. Then you moved to Texas. That's yeah. right. And you spent a few years there. Yeah. So I was yeah. in Austin for a year. And oh, then I was in-, in Austin. I, for- yeah. I forgot. I did a little stint in Austin. <laughs> I did. Um, I was in Austin for a little under a year, and then I got an opportunity to open up a hotel restaurant and be the executive chef of the property for, um, and I did that for about a year, and then obviously COVID hit and, you know, destroyed every, all the plans that we all had for the better or for worse, and I think for me, it really transitioned into me focusing on what I want. And me being more in control of my life and what I do. And so, you know, last year it was trying to figure out what was next, but also obviously the Top Chef opportunity came up. Yeah. And <laughs> that felt like perfect timing. I think all of us can kind of feel the same way about that and that it was a really good opportunity and something really positive to look forward to. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've been lucky to talk with a few of the contestants from this year on the podcast, but walk us through. I I love hearing y'all's story about this. Like, do you remember like when you got like the call and they were like, you're going to be on the show? Like I just walk walk us through that. So the first thing I got was an email and it was like, hey, would you be interested in this like opportunity? And I about peed my pants because <laughs> yes, of course, I was, I was like, it's like that thing where you're dating and you're like, how quick is too quick? Like, is like right now too quick? Like, like five minutes have gone by. Can I respond now? Yeah, can I immediately? <laughs> Do I look too desperate? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I responded rather quickly because I was like, doesn't matter. It is what you want to do. Like, just go for it. And I always have to, like, psych myself into that. Like, who cares? Whether it is dating, a relationship, a job, something. Like, if you want it, just go for it. Like, don't overthink it. Um, and so the process takes about, like, three months. And you're going back and forth. You're, like, taking a personality test. You're like, am I crazy? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe just a, just yeah. enough. Just enough for the show. Just the right amount of of crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I could answer this question in a really weird way if they wanted me to. Um, And, yeah, they were – so they told us, like, you're going to get a call by the end of the week. Like, we're we're making our decisions by the end of the week. And it was, like, 
okay, it's Wednesday. And you're like, I haven't heard anything. And they were like, we haven't made any phone calls yet. And you're like, okay, cool. Calm down. And they go, we'll probably call you on Friday. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And Thursday comes around and I get a phone call from somebody in LA because it like comes up color ID, Los Angeles. And I was like, oh fuck. And I was like, this is it. it. Like this is, this is a thousand percent it. And so I like went outside and I answered the phone. I was like, hello. And they're like, hey, it's so-and-so from Top Chef. Like, congratulations. And I was like, immediately crying because you're just like overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah, were you, it was, were you a big Top Chef fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. I've been watching, <laughs> I know some people on the show were like, I've never even seen an episode. And I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, <laughs> well, I can't say the same thing because I've watched every single episode and probably rewatched them. And I've had a lot of friends on the show. So it's been, I've worked, I've happened to work for a lot of people that have also been on the show um, or been judges. And so I've always been kind of following like the Top Chef world. And, you know, especially after like season 16, where Bruce Kalman, Joe Flam, Joe Sasto, Adrian, all those people were on the show. And, you know, I became really good friends with them and seeing how close they were and how much they bonded was something that I thought was gonna be really, really amazing on the show. And I was really looking forward to that because especially like during lockdown and all that stuff, like looking forward to that bonding time with other like-minded chefs was something that was really, really exciting to me. Yeah, and I mean, obviously a very different year a different season than we've ever seen on on top chef and um you know the really the caliber of chefs that they were able to pull this season was was so high because you know you guys were able to 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 leave your restaurants were closed so you know in another in another year in another world i mean you know they probably wouldn't have had the pool of chefs available so they you know speaks very highly of all you guys that that were selected it was it was just it was such a phenomenal season and something you know really different i think was like the the relationships like that you're talking about even like you said you've seen it in the past but this year it was it was just it was just so different and i think that people really needed that. And I, yeah. I, I've just seen so many comments, you know, follow all you guys and lucky enough to know some of you guys and just the, you really impacted people in a positive way when they, you know, felt isolated yeah. and alone and they needed to see, we needed to see something happy and to see you guys all care mm-hmm. about each other so much. And there really wasn't like a, you know, I feel like there's always kind of a crazy person on <laughs> every season that you just yeah. like, like everyone really like cared about each other and you guys yeah. still are all like collaborating on, on different things now. Yeah. And it's been, it's, it's been so refreshing to see. And like, I, I know that that's probably one of, one of the best things that you took away from, from, from the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the relationships, like I have, new best friends, you know, like I have people that I can call for business advice, you know, restaurant advice, recipe advice, um, you know, handling consulting, like we're all in this new world of, you know, 
what is it negotiating like our worth with potential employers or partners and Mm -hmm. having that group of people to rely on to go to and be like what do you think about this do you think this is crazy like what is the right price for this what are you used to what's the structure um it's not just like fun and games for us like we're actually relying on each other for work advice and so that was something that I guess was unexpected to take out of this, but you know, there's still like the FaceTimes and like the calls in the middle of the day and just being like, Hey, how are you checking in? And like, it's nice to have that network. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I can, I can only imagine, um, being able to be with other chefs during that time and being able to to cook when you'd been so isolated, I know was just probably like therapy for you guys. (laughs) The best thing ever. Like everybody was like, I think like you just like had fun the whole time. Like, is that just like how you are? And I was like, I was just so stoked to be in a room with people like cooking <laughs> maskless, like we get COVID tested every other day. So like, we know we're safe and really every other day y'all were getting tested. Yeah. yeah. At, like the ass crack of dawn too. Yeah. Everyone, everyone on, on set, everyone, all yeah. the judges, all the crew. And you guys were staying at the, uh, the Monica, uh, the, the hotel Monaco in Portland. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. All the birds on the all the bird uh, wallpaper oh. and all the Portlandia, very Portlandia <laughs> that you think is like really cute in the beginning. You're like, I love all the patterns in the room. Like it's so fun. And then by like day five of quarantine, you're like, is are they moving now? Like what's happening? <laughs> Had you spent any time in Portland before filming uh, the show? Yeah, I did like a solo trip um, a few years back and I did like pop-pock, I went to destination, I did like, you know, I ran by the river by all the bridges. Um, Yeah, so I had like that solo experience, but um, never for like that long, like it was just a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, you didn't have a typical Portland experience because everything was completely shut down. But you guys did get to go out and, and do some kind of, you know, dining. Some and, stuff. And, and, yeah, it's just, there were some restaurant visits. But yeah, hopefully yeah. a lot of good food there. So when you're back in the States, we'll have to we'll have to meet there and go to Canard yeah. or, or something. Oh, I would love to. Got so many good restaurants over there. So, so, all right. So we got to talk about last chance kitchen while we're talking about top chef. So you just like dominated last chance. (laughs) I I've lost track of how many wins you had for those of you that aren't super familiar with top chef. There is um, last chance kitchen is as they go off the show, they have one, they, they battle each other as they go off and whoever wins gets I'm back on the show and it was a little different this year but yeah Sasha like five six of the you were just on <laughs> the incredible hot streak um that was really where you just like can't like you could just see that you were like after the first one you really like were in your element like tell us a little bit about that was it just was it more pressure was it less pressure like yeah. what was it like uh, in that experience so obviously like elimination and like being second off the show is like a huge sadness and like destroys you a little bit. But for me, there was nothing 
left to lose in that moment of being on the show and like being in that room with Roscoe in that first episode and just like cooking and like the vibe was different. We left all the bullshit like Roscoe and I just talked, you know, and like got all of our stuff out. And we were like, we got here because we know how to cook. Like, why did we doubt that? So let's show these people, like, we know how to throw down. And it was one of those, like, let's get it done and let's do it in 30 minutes and let's make some delicious food because we can. And then that first win happens and you're like, ooh, a little, like, jolt of adrenaline and a little, like, a little confidence back, a little swagger back. And then, like, you get the second one and you're like, okay. You're like, those were some good comments. And also... (laughs) I'm just being myself and like having fun and like being quirky and like saying things and like speaking my mind and just not being scared of the process and not putting expectations on myself. I think that was the number one thing, like say I go back for all stars, like fingers crossed, Um, you know, walking in and saying like, my food is good enough. Like, I don't have to have 12 components on a dish to feel like I'm top chef material. Like, it can be one thing done really well. Like, Mm -hmm. they want good food and cooked well. Like, that's the game. And I think Mm -hmm. people overthink it a lot. And they're like, has to look like Michelin-level food and all this stuff. Like, if it tastes good, like, they can't say anything bad about that, (laughs) you know? Like. What are they going to do? Be like, oh, it doesn't look great. But like, if it tastes amazing, it tastes amazing. So Last Chance Kitchen was a freaking blast. And like seeing everybody down there trying to become best friends with Tom, like I'm still waiting for him to like be like, yeah, we are best friends. But like, maybe <laughs> that'll happen at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, Last Chance Kitchen was like definitely where I shined. And I think that was clear. Yeah, no, it, it was. And you could tell too that like you you just, the pressure seemed to not be like getting to you. You just seemed to yeah. kind of come into your own element and, and yeah, like you're saying, win, win, win. And it was so, <laughs> it was so much fun to watch. Um, and so, okay. So, so top chef, you, you guys did that. You, it was September, October of last year that you yeah. filmed in Portland. Um, then you guys all went home. It started, it aired in April. Walk us through yeah. between, between that time you go home you're you're cooking at your restaurant and you're and you're starting your own focaccia business is that when this started tell us tell us a little bit about that yeah so before top chef i started doing like a little bit of recipe testing and i was like if i make it to restaurant wars like they're always so impressed by like bread production in that time and i was like let's start working on focaccia recipe and then i just like loved the process and then we went to top chef and i came back and i still wasn't at the restaurant and I was still on, I was still furloughed. And so, you know, when I feel maybe even overwhelmed or I feel a little lost, um, I bake. I'm not really a baker, um, <laughs> but for some reason, like, or I do like a lot of dough work and I do a lot of pasta making. And so I started working on the focaccia recipe again and started producing a lot finding the flower that I really loved. And I just started giving it away to friends. And they were like, people should be paying you for this. And I go, no <laughs> way. I was like, people aren't going to pay for this, you silly goose. <laughs> they were like, 
you should try. And so I just started putting it out on Instagram. And I was like, hey, I'm selling stuff. Like, pick it up if you want, blah, blah. And then it was like, all of a sudden, I was like selling out every day. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And this was before like Top Chef came out or was announced. So like that push wasn't behind me yet. Yeah. And then I got the offer to do farmer's markets. They were like, let's And that's it. where I've seen you at the farmer's market every weekend. Yeah. And you're so cute on Instagram with your bread. Oh my gosh. So yeah. yeah. So then you go to the farmer's markets and I know, I, I remember seeing posts about you selling out and you guys yeah. just being so busy all the time. Yeah. I mean, just slamming. And, you know, who knew there would be such a, audience and market for Fakasha in Houston but sure enough there was and you know I'm baking I'm doing other pastries for fun I'm basically making things that I want to eat and you know just the feedback is so overwhelming and the reception by the community and you know my little business got nominated for best startup in Houston like this year it's it's just wild to think about how doing something that I love and that was like therapy to me has turned into something lucrative, um, yeah. you know, and you start thinking about where do I want to take this? And when I get home from this trip in Italy, like the goal is to really hit the ground running and start shipping and like handle that and start production and really focus on it and take it as far as it goes and put my heart and soul into it and see what happens but nobody's telling me no yet so <laughs> it's That's still amazing. a dream and it can still happen and tell us a little so so i i know so while you're overseas we can't we can't get the focaccia right now because sasha is, <laughs> is Italy. Yeah. um but but when you come back is full steam ahead you're yeah. you're you're back at it tell us a little bit about i know you say you're you know big italian family um yeah. where like your recipe for focaccia is it is it just like family recipe did you just did you just get in the kitchen one day and 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 mess with stuff until you came up with what you love like tell us a little bit about like the the recipe development for your bread yeah so recipe development for me is I'll look at something, I'll see something that I like, and I'll like quickly Google a recipe and be like, okay, how do I feel about this? What do I think? And do I have things to make like this baseline? Like I always tell people, make the baseline recipe that's like in a book, on a computer or something, and like figure out what else you want from it. And so I found this recipe and I executed it and it wasn't really what I wanted. I wanted it to be I wanted it to be crispy, but I wanted it to be soft in the middle. I wanted it to be the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of like fuss with the recipe of kind of trying to get it more into like a cakey, airy middle, but also keeping that like crunchy outside. How long do I ferment it? Like, do I ferment it? Is it in the fridge overnight? So there was a lot of like minor twists to the recipes that mm -hmm. I did, but honestly it came on pretty quickly and I felt like, yeah, after about two weeks of kind of like messing around with it, I felt pretty confident that I had like found the recipe and I was getting to know that dough. And it, another thing that just like felt overwhelmingly correct. 
That's a good feeling. I like that. Yeah. Well, well, and obviously it was super well received. You're, you know, you're, you're selling out. People are, are lining <laughs> up to get it. So you, you clearly were doing something right. Um, so then, okay. So, so you've done that top chef and then walk us into like, you're in Italy now. Tell us yeah. how you kind of got back over there. What exactly you're doing. I'm following you on Instagram and seeing <laughs> all your amazing food photos and villa photos and i'm just i'm just yeah. dying tell us exactly what you're doing right now <laughs> okay so <laughs> making me hungry <laughs> i know i'm like oh i'm just like overloading the internet but whatever um that's what that's what so, instagram is for <laughs> i know i'm like this is what it's for um right? so basically i have a friend over here right now from houston and they have a chef in residency program so the place is called Villa Lena, and it's in the middle of Tuscany, in the middle of a hill and a mountain. Like, there's no town. It's just the villa. And so <laughs> it's like, this is it. Um, one street, like classic Italian, what you think. And basically, they have an artist in residency program. So they host up to 10 artists for about two months. Um, at a time and you know you have everything from ceramicists to florists to painters wow. to there's always a yogi in residence and then the chef in residence me um, feeds all of the artists wow so, that is so cool okay I definitely didn't yeah. realize that that's amazing so you're with artists from all over the world yes all over the world so it's cool. like yeah we were sitting around having a conversation the other night about like where everybody's lived and what everybody's done and like their partners. And it was just so magical to be like surrounded by people from all over the world and with so many different perspectives. And we were having just like really thoughtful, beautiful conversations and it's been really, really amazing. So I cook for them um, during the week. And then I also host a pasta class and a farm and cook class. So I make pasta with guests at the hotel. And then I take the guests into the gardens and we forage for things and bring them back and make lunch with them. So. Okay. Sign me up. How do I? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've had a few this friends. Sounds like, amazing. What a fantastic um is this are, are these experiences uh are they i would love to link them so people could check yeah. them out you know do they are they sold out for the two months while you're there do you know if people can still if they're in happen yeah. to be in the area can they yeah can you can, can they come passes uh -huh. okay cool Man, what a well that's that's amazing. That's I, you're like isolated over there, but you're around yeah. you're around people. Um yeah, have you spent any time in that particular region of Italy? Because that's not where you were last time. You weren't in Tuscany, you were no. in so I was in I actually worked in Tuscany for about two to three weeks when I was in culinary school. Okay. Um it was like a brief little stint, but I haven't spent any time in the area I'm in now and it's really like central. Like I got to Florence right on the train in an hour. Um, so I'm here now and it's just, it feels wild to like look out my window right now and like see the Duomo from my bedroom. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Italy's just like a magical place. And 
taking the opportunity, it fit perfectly between events. It was like I had an award show. Three days later, I left. And then two days after I get back, three days after I have an event for a thousand people. So it's like, oh my gosh. So tell us about that. So you're coming back at in the beginning yeah. of October, the end of, of September? End of September. Yeah. Okay. And then this, are you coming back? Will you be, will you be going back to your restaurant, to the restaurant to cook? Will you just be focusing on the focaccia business and like kind of consult? Like, what will you be doing? Tell mm -hmm. us what's next after this amazing experience. <laughs> um, after this experience, I'm no longer with the restaurant. So I'm totally solo business right now. Um, so after this, I basically am booking up all of my weekends uh, for the rest of the year. And I have a few open spots left, but I'll be doing like cooking events. I'm doing outstanding in the field in October. Um, yeah. I, like also another like bucket list moment. Yeah. That, like, Congratulations. I mean, that's so impressive. You. That's wonderful. Uh, I've been working with them. Like I've served with them. I've helped chefs with them. I've been doing that since like 2015. Um, so it's like such, such an honor to be the headlining chef for one of their events. Um, so I'll be doing that. I'll be doing private dinners, cooking classes. But during the week, my main focus is getting this Fikasha business off the ground and really finding like a structure and a flow that I can really let run itself. Um, so that is my main plan by the end of the year, I want to be shipping and have things really streamlined. And so you will be going back to Texas. That'll remain yes. your base when you, when you get back and continuing the, the Fakasha business. Well, that's, that's super yeah. exciting. Are you, are you going to go to, is it, is it Genoa? I believe is the birthplace of Fakasha. <laughs> right? Yeah, I will. And I'm close to there too. So okay. I'll be able to get there pretty easily. And Genoa is amazing. So yeah. yeah, I would love to spend some time there. Yeah. I think it's also, I, I spent some time in Nice in France, which cool. is very, to Genoa and my sister and I went over for like two days and I think I remember Genoa is the birthplace of focaccia and the birthplace of pesto yeah and we ate <laughs> so much <laughs> pesto pasta and so much focaccia uh, when I was over so there much. gosh it was so much fun and now I'm just I'm just so jealous that you're that you're <laughs> that you're over in Europe and I, I can't wait to do a big international trip hopefully here yeah. soon sometime this year it's it's gonna happen um Good. But, um, but, okay, so cool. So you'll be coming back in a couple of months and then yeah. leaning hard into the, the Vakasha business. Um, something else that I wanted to touch in on your story that we didn't yeah. hit on about Top Chef was I know that, um, you know, you talked about on Top Chef about, you know, getting getting sober and, like, going through recovery and um, yeah. how that changed you know, obviously your life, your, your, you know, your cooking. Um, I feel like that's such an important thing that it has been happening the last really couple years in, you know, the hospitality service industry. There's been such a focus on just, mm -hmm. you know, alcohol, but we have seen just some of the best chefs that we, you know, admire, like, you know, Gabriel Rucker and, and Portland, yeah. Brock, you know, we have seen these really iconic people, you know, yeah get sober, you know, create these groups like Ben's groups. Uh, um, mm -hmm. Ben's, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing to kind of see that shift in the industry. And yeah. I, to, 
little bit about, because I know that's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy mm-hmm. thing when you're in an industry where it's just around you constantly. So yeah. just talk a little bit about your journey with that. Sure. Um, yeah, I always like to like kind of tell the story about how I was like introduced to this industry. Um, you know, my first interview in the States of like my job offer was with a guy chain smoking cigarettes and he had a giant goblet of wine and it was after service. And it was like, I don't know if you're good enough for this job. I don't know if you can do this. And like, that was my first impression of the industry. And I love this man like so much. And I think he's wonderful and he's also gotten sober and like, Mm -hmm. but you know, having that as your first introduction yeah. That was difficult because you yeah. see this person that you look up to and it's going to be your boss and, you know, they're acting a certain way and you're like, okay, so then it's like, it's okay for me to do this. And so sure. you fall into this, for me to be accepted, I must also do these things. And that includes going out to get a drink after work. Um if you decide to go home, people make fun of you. Like that, mm-hmm. those are things that always happen. And before you know it, 10 years goes by and you go, oh my God, like I can't just go out and get drunk every night with my staff or like with my coworkers. And it takes a toll. And I always say alcohol never helped me get anywhere. Um, it never helped me become a better person. It never helped me fight my demons that I think we all have, um, Mm -hmm. I think is a big reason why I drank, you know, it's, it just turned into a problem, especially during the pandemic. And I think it happened for a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people lost a bit of control during that time. And a lot of people leaned on alcohol because bars were closed. So all of a sudden you're drinking at home by yourself. And there was one night where, bars reopened for the first time. And I went to my first, my favorite bar in Houston uh, with one of my great friends and I pushed it too far. And my excitement that they were open, I just went for it. I totally lost control. I had a shot in front of me. I'll never forget this moment. And I had a shot in front of me and I said, if I take it, that's it. Like I'm blacking out and I probably shouldn't do this. And I still took it. And that was really the first time where my mind was telling me, don't do it. But something else inside of me, whether you want to call it an addiction or whatever, like one. And I woke up the next day and I was like, no, you will not. You will not win this. I will not let you do this. And I cut it off cold turkey. And it was a very like kismet situation. It was, I had a friend, a past boss. Um, had just announced that day that I woke up like depressed, hungover, like in a terrible mood and, you know, flipping through Instagram. And I see like, Hey, I haven't told any of you guys, but I've been six months sober. And I was like, Whoa. And like, you send out a message and, you know, I said, wow, that's so incredible. Like, congratulations. And I was like, can I ask you a question? And then we started talking and she goes, try for 30 days, try not drinking for 30 days. And Within two weeks, I felt like a new human. I was sleeping well. Like my skin was clearing. I had like a glow back in my face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's wild. And my energy was up. And 
two weeks in, you know, I also found Ben's friends and Ben's friends for the industry is like this magical, magical group of bad asses in this industry. And it's not anonymous because we like to share our stories. Um, and so, you know, I was in Ben's friends and you see like big players show up in the meeting rooms and you're like, whoa, you're like, I yeah. have no idea. And, but I know exactly who you are and I know what a badass you are and you are breaking down and being vulnerable in front of people that look up to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, guys, like, this is freaking cool. Yeah. I mean, like, you're crying through most of your shares in the beginning and, like, you're just recounting all these horrible things that have happened in your life that, like, are a direct result of you choosing to drink. And, you know, we put on happy faces a lot of times, but there's a lot of things that we've all done in our lives, at least I can speak for myself, that like, you know, you're not proud of and you wish maybe you hadn't. And so it was very interesting to see people that you know share so vulnerably. And I think that was a big reason I chose to share on Top Chef. And, you know, (laughs) of course that like second challenge has booze involved. And I was like, (laughs) that I escaped it by getting coffee. And then they were like, psych, y'all have to pair up and do it together. And I was like, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I thought I escaped this. So I was like, ah, whatever, I'll rely on somebody else to like taste and it'll be fine. And of course it was, I overthought it, we overthought it. But I think sharing on the show, my purpose was to share that like people aren't alone because we're all like big bad chefs and we're really, really tough and like nothing phases us and we don't have feelings. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. if you're a woman and you cry, you're emotional. And I was like... Bitch, I'm going to cry on the show and I'm going to share some really vulnerable stuff. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. And you were talking about like that in-between period from like filming to the first episode airing. Mm -hmm. Talk about anxiety. I mean, you're like, how are you going to be portrayed? Did you say anything stupid? Like, I can't remember saying anything stupid, but like, what if they make me look stupid? (laughs) <laughs> and then it was magical and no. it was amazing and they were so lovely and they edited it so well and the response from strangers was like had me in tears like every day it was just you have people I had people coming up to me at the farmer's market and like sharing their sobriety stories with me like talk about you're like whoo Gotta hold this one together. Like young kids, like older adults. It's just like, you know, it hits you in the heart because if I touch one person that way, like awesome. But I got so many messages, like probably hundreds of people reaching out and like sharing their milestones and like sharing that like, I put down the bottle the second your episode aired. And you're like, whoa. Wow. 
Wow. How, how awesome (laughs) for you to hear like what, like how amazing, but I mean, I, I remember, I, I remember it very well. And I feel like for me, that was like one of the most like impacting things that I took from the entire season because it was so heartfelt, such a important topic. That's not, not taboo, but it's, you know, it's still, we're still going through that shift and it's just, it's yeah. so refreshing to see. And like you're saying, you know, there are things like Ben's friends and and there are yeah. people we can look to now, but still as a whole the industry, that's just the way that it's kind of been for so long. Um, mm-hmm. So to see that, I mean, the inspiration, I mean, and I think that God, almost everyone in the hospitality industry, like myself included has had struggles yeah. with alcohol. I mean, when it's around all the time and it's, it's so accepted. And like you're saying, I mean, at the end of the, you know, many restaurants, I know they're all sitting around doing shots at the end of the night around the bar. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. And to see this, this shift in culture, um, to be able to inspire, I mean, especially like young chefs, like to know, like, you know, I made it all the way to, it's okay to say no. And I'm not, I'm not drinking. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's so commendable and I, I personally admire you so much for it. Um, and, and I, I know obviously a lot of other people do and what, what a great thing. And so I guess when you, when you do go back, you'll be like, involved. <laughs> there's a, there's a Ben's friends in Houston, obviously, and you'll stay involved in that. And that's a, yeah. a wonderful thing. Let's plug that to anyone in the industry, you know, yeah, Google them, go check out their website. It's a great resource. Yeah. I think they have one in most big cities. I know there's one in Seattle, yeah. Portland. There's obviously one in Houston. Um, they're, you know, make their, they're becoming more, more and more all over the country. So it's a, I mean, like you were saying, just a great, have that, I think to have that camaraderie and be able to connect, you know, other people like you in the industry, I'm, that's, that's just really, really important. Um, but, but thank you for sharing that because again, I just like such an important narrative for what's happening right now, um, in the industry, but let's, um, Let's shift a minute. Um, we have a few minutes left because uh, you I know that you're the villa that you're working at right now is in Tuscany. Yeah. But you said you're in Florence today. Yeah. So tell us. Tell us, like, what are you what are you what are you doing over there? You have some time <laughs> off like in art. Like what where, where are you going to be like exploring, you know, outside sure. of Tuscany while you're in? Like, what are some of your big things you want to do while you're in Italy away from the villa? Oh my gosh. Um, I want to go everywhere, obviously. Um, but Florence was definitely on my list. I mean, my main objective is to rent a car while I'm here to have some more freedom while on my days off. But obviously, like eating all the gelato, all the pasta, all the pizza, seeing the Duomo like from my window, it's it's just wild. Um, Italy's like architecture, art, Like, I hopefully get to go to a museum later or tomorrow and just, like, walk around. And I think another, like, just to, like, tie the two together, like, another beautiful thing about sobriety and, like, not drinking is, like, you're just more aware of everything around you. And, like, I'm not worried about where my next drink is. Like, I'm worried about, like, really nothing. Like, there's little there's very little that worries me and I'm over here just like enjoying the moment and I'm fully present and I am here like just soaking every minute in, Mm -hmm. which I feel like I missed maybe before. And so now it's like, 
I can just stand by the Duomo and like admire it for like yeah. an hour. Like these mm-hmm. are the things I want to do. I'm going to go walk the Ponte Vecchio at sunset and like, just like hang out on the bridge and probably eat more gelato than I did already today. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, and, and why shouldn't you? I mean, get your calories from gelato <laughs> instead of wine. There is nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But like I, you know, obviously I'm not sober um, permanently, but I have had my own struggles with alcohol. And in 2018, yeah. I did not drink a, at all for a year. Wow. And I, I kind of go back that's and amazing. forth which is hard um and maybe not the best yeah. thing but um i went to japan everybody's japan. journey is different everybody's journey is different absolutely Don't and be i hard on yourself well <laughs> see yeah and i honestly i always feel better when i'm not drinking you know i always yeah. feel better when i obviously you know if i'm a week in i just did a a, a week and a half 10 days without drinking i kind of go back and forth um but I went to Japan in 2018 when I did my longest sobriety stint wow. and I was there for two weeks and I, I did not drink at all. And I look back wow. on that time and I like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that I wasn't drinking. I remember having like one of the best, you know, one of the best yeah. experiences in my life going to Tokyo, Osaka, um, Kyoto, eating so many things. I remember being on a food tour and they had sake and I was like, Oh, I'm going to have some sake. And I was like, I don't really need it. And, you know, again, it's like you look back on that time and it's I you don't even think about it. So I yeah. definitely I I definitely hear I hear what you're what you're saying. And I think it's so important to to, you know, to tell these stories about, you know, that, you know, alcohol does not have to be so ingrained in the yeah. in, into into what we're doing all the time, especially even traveling. Even if you're, you know, in Italy, you don't have to be drinking wine every afternoon. Or if you're in Tokyo, no. you don't have to be drinking sake every night. There's still so many amazing yeah. cultural culinary things to experience, which is <laughs> yeah. I, I think just such a such a great message. Um and well, if I could just add one more thing, like, I feel like people are really hard on themselves and especially like during these moments of maybe they're not drinking or they're drinking again. And like, it is your life. You get to make the decision and like, however you want your sobriety to be, if you just don't want to drink, then don't drink. If that's the goal, don't drink. If you want to like, do other things, do other things. Like it is your life. You are in control of this. Like I rarely use the word sobriety because it's like, it puts you into a little bit of a box, you know? Yeah. And sure. I clearly am not somebody who likes to be put in a box. And so <laughs> like, I am, I am just a person that does not drink and that is sufficient and good enough for me. And if your goal is to not smoke weed anymore, then like, you are a person that does not smoke weed anymore. And like, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. And I think we get stuck in these little zones of like, I have to explain why I just don't drink. You know, it's like, it's none of your business. If I want to share with you, then share. If you want to share with me, share. But like, everybody should always remember, like, this is your decision. This is your life. You do what you want with it. It is in your control to do whatever you want. 
I love that. Thank <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because again, such an such an important topic and one that isn't talked about enough and one that we really, you know, need to normalize. And I, I totally agree with you. Sobriety, the word is almost uh, you almost don't even want to use it. And I, I <laughs> I, I, I love your perspective um, and thank you for sharing your story with us. And again, I know it's, you know, it's, I know it, it ha has inspired and will continue to inspire um, all kinds of people and chefs and people in the industry of which you can be proud and should be proud. Um, we're running low on time. I can't believe it's on the <laughs> hour, but I want to just I know. I want to ask you just as a, a Houston resident, as a Top Chef contestant, as someone in the food world, can you just name a few of your favorite restaurants in your yes. home city of Houston? Let's give a little love out to the places that you love. Yes. Um, so definitely my guy at uh, UB Preserve, Nick Wong, is over there crushing it for Chris Shepard. Um, obviously, all of Chris Shepard's restaurants are amazing. Travis McShane at Ostia. I mean, like, I'm a very, like, solo diner, sit at the bar by myself kind of person. And, like, that's where I go when I want a, like, delicious meal by myself. Um, I mean, street to kitchen, you have all of the vendors at the farmer's markets. Like, those people are starting their dreams. Like, those are the first steps. And, you know, you have Kin with Chef Evelyn. You have Jane Wilde baking up a storm. Um, you have Cochinita and Co. with Victoria. Like, these people are inspirational in Houston right now. You have Tatamo uh, with Emmanuel Chavez, uh, Underground Creamery with Josh. I mean, how much time do I have? <laughs> just like, and not only are these people like phenomenal chefs, they are also just like phenomenal people. And we're in this like renaissance of people really doing what they love mm -hmm. and really like whether it's a restaurant and like Aaron Blue Dorn was like, we are going to open Blue Dorn in the middle of a pandemic and we're going to do it well. And he crushed it, you know, like these people, you're watching people fulfill their dreams constantly in Houston. And it is just like magical. I could go on for like hours about how inspired I am by the people in Houston. And I'm I'm sad I haven't spent a lot of time in Houston. But you're like <laughs> making me when you're back. I'm going to come visit because yeah. I want to obviously get your focaccia. Um, <laughs> and when and when you come back at at the end of September, are you going to be back at the farmers markets every weekend? Is or is that going to stay in your routine? I'm not going to be joining farmers markets right away. We'll see how okay. things go. Okay, because you're going to be busy. Yeah. You're going to be you're going to be cooking a lot of events. You're going to be yeah. trying. To out on a on a national level pushing yes. it out i'll tell you what when you're testing the shipping yes. of the bread you can send some to me yes. i will give you feedback <laughs> on how the how the shipping process went how how the focaccia arrived i will be that person <laughs> for you because that's a good little distance from from Houston. Yeah. that's a great little little test run so yes it is you you're come right. back if you need a <laughs> you need a, <laughs> need a, need a i, I will, will. Um, Absolutely. Well, Sasha, thank you so much for taking the time. This was again, and the hour has just has just flown by. I know yeah. you're, and she's over in Italy. It's I think it's like six o'clock over there, and it's like yeah. nine a.m. over here. Um, <laughs> and so you know, eight hour difference. We're we're doing it. We're making it happen. Um, yeah. 
Sasha is in Italy until she said like the end of September, and then she'll be back in Houston and she'll be focusing again on the Fakasha business. Um, yes. You can follow her on Instagram at, at the fierce chef. And she is very fierce, uh, very, <laughs> very well um, named handle for you. Uh, you can also from her, from her Instagram page, you can check out the Fakasha page. You can check out her website, read mm -hmm. more about, her um but definitely want to be following her adventures in italy i'm being made hungry just constantly <laughs> having italian wanderlust i'm definitely going to get over there soon but again yeah. so i just i can't thank you enough it was so great to have you on the podcast this week thank you for having me what a joy and a pleasure to talk with you